and I sat down and did some thinking and thought, yeah, that, that feeling that I've had since I was a kid, I now understand what it is. It is that I want to stand on my own. I want to take that accountability and I want to take control of creating something that's, that's going to change the world. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup You, inspiring, educating, and connecting the startup community to help you make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin mentor, and founder of Startup You, the regional delivery partner for Virgin Startup. Each episode provides the story of an entrepreneur who talks us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hayes, who are the number one recruiting experts in the UK. Whether you're searching for your perfect job or looking to scale your business by building the perfect team, go to hayes.co.uk, quoting Startup You. Welcome to episode 80 of Screw It, Just Do It. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell. And on today's show, I welcome Rob Moncrief, founder of Motion Lab Bags. Before I get to my interview with Rob, I would like to let you know of the exclusive news that we have got. The star of BBC Two Dragon's Den and Channel 4's The Secret Millionaire, Piers Linney, at our first ever Startup and Scale Summit in sunny Bournemouth this October the 13th. So Piers has been recognised as one of the 100 most influential black Britons. He's also been twice EY Entrepreneur of the Year finalist, also won the inaugural Black Business Awards. Also happens to be non-executive director of the British Business Bank, of which Startup Loans is one component. Um, works on a number of philanthropic projects, including Work Insight, an impartial digital work placement platform, and is also a member of the Cabinet Office's Small Business Advisory Panel. Co-CEO of his own business, cloud computing company Outsourcery. So pretty epic news. If you've been on our email list, then you've received this news um, and been able to buy a ticket for the last 24 hours. Um, if you need to get on our email list for future announcements like this, then simply go to startupu.co.uk, hit the contact page and fill in your details and you'll be privy to this kind of information. If not, then make a note in your diary for next Monday when remaining tickets will be released to the public. Uh, so that's Monday, which I believe is August the 6th, and we'd love to see you there as always. Um, we've got seven other speakers along with Piers, going to be announcing another couple of equally uh, hugely influential speakers over the next week or so. Um, strongly advise you to try and do everything you can to get there, as we'd love to see you. Um, we've got workshops, we've got networking with like-minded entrepreneurs, and a whole host of speakers um, splitting the day into um, starting a business and then scaling a business. First time we've ever broken it down into all of its components. So love to see you there. Um, in the meantime, moving on to today's interview, um, I speak to Rob Moncrief, um, who has launched his business on Kickstarter. It's live right now. Um, and it's a culmination of a 10-year journey, something um, that Rob thought about when he was in the corporate world working for Shell and he's now launched this Motion Lab Active Commute Bag, the only backpack in the world 
that takes 100% of the weight off your shoulders. So that is the tagline for the business. Um, so Rob's got a really interesting story. Like I say, it is the results of, of a 10-year journey. And it's a story we can all relate to because it's a story of, of taking that leap of deciding to, to screw it, just do it, and never look back on your life and wonder, what if? Um, really like to follow up on this journey, see how, how he gets on with um, his Kickstarter campaign. What I thought would be really cool was find out a little bit more about Rob's backstory, first of all, so, so we dive into that at the start of the show, but then move on to something um, that Rob's put together, which is, is 10 steps to designing, creating, and selling the most innovative innovative product in the world get my words right there and that is clearly his motion lab bag so um, we go through the 10 steps which has enabled him to launch this on kickstarter and something which i thought would be really really helpful to you the audience with regards to your business whether you're looking at designing creating and selling a product or a service um, it all comes through to you know identifying a problem um, testing creating a team, marketing it, uh, and then selling it and delivering it. So um, loads of really relevant stuff to, to our audience here. Um, and without further ado, we are going to dive in. So to start with, as I say, just going to find out a little bit more about Rob's background and this 10-year journey that he's been on. Um, and now the culmination is launching this product on Kickstarter. And then we're going to move on to those, those steps that he's identified to, to work you through um, launching your own. So without further ado, let's start up. Yeah, things were going well. I was working for Shell at the time. Um, but I had in the back of my mind that it just wasn't really what I wanted to do. I'd, I'd always had a dream since I was a little kid of being able to create something and be able to point to it and say, I made that. Mm -hmm. And it made the world a better place. And um, I felt that I just wasn't going to get that accountability and sense of ownership working for a big multinational. And I just made that realization if I wanted to be sort of happy with who I was and what I was doing and what I was achieving, um, staying in that career wasn't going to do it. Mm. So I basically just, you know, we just, we, I was in a good place at the time. And, um, just jumped ship effectively, um, stepped out of that without a clear idea of what I was going to do next um, and just broke away from that career to set up on my own. And, and how long do you think, looking back now, did you, did you have those kind of thoughts? Was that always a burning desire you know, previous to kind of leaving education and, and starting school? Were you one of those people who'd always wanted to start a business or was it something that just built up over time whilst working for, for Shell? <laughs> Uh, no, it had always been there. Um, I think since I was about 10, um, uh, I wanted to run my own business and do my own thing, but I hadn't really put it into words and I hadn't really sort of mapped it out because of course, when you're a child growing up, you don't know what work is going to be like anyway. Mm, yeah. Um, so it was only once I got into the world of work and it wasn't quite how I'd expected it. Um, you know, it was a bit slower than I had thought. It wasn't 
Tom Cruise lookalikes in sharp suits, <laughs> uh, making huge strategic decisions every single day. You know, it's it's a lot more day to day humdrum kind of stuff. Um, and that was when I it really kind of into that idea when I sat down and did some thinking and thought, yeah, that that feeling that I've had since I was a kid, I now understand what it is. It is that I want to stand on my own. I want to take that accountability and I want to take control of creating something that's that's going to change the world. And when you look back, can you can you remember what you wanted to be, for example, when, when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, even growing up? Was there an idea of what the perfect job was, what the career was going to look like? <laughs> no, not at all. I was I was your average kid. I wanted to be James Bond or uh, yeah. an astronaut or all the all the usual things that kids want to be. Um, yeah. And then you know, real life kind of takes over and self awareness comes mm. into the pot. Um, and actually, at the time when I when I left Shell, I I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I had a a book of ideas um, which I had been keeping for a few years before that next to my bed um and every time i sort of woke up in the middle of the night and thought ah that's that's a problem that maybe i could fix you know that's i I think someone should invent that i would write it down in that little book nice so so when i walked away i I did have a bunch of ideas to look at but Mm -hmm. i had no idea which one was going to to come to fruition um which ones might work um, and I can tell you a lot more won't work than do work. So yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things I just thought, right, you know what? I'm never going to know until I just get out of here, set up on my own and start looking at, at some of these ideas. And did you did you essentially um, you know, jump without a parachute? It, 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 essentially, was there no safety net when, when you did jump? You know, you had your book of ideas. Um, were you one of these people who did it with a job on the side or did you leap out into the unknown and go, let's, let's try this product. Uh, let's try this service, whatever the first iteration was. Cause I'm assuming motion lab bags wasn't the first idea unless you tell me differently. No, no. So we had, we had a, a I probably had, uh, I would say I had maybe five or six different ideas that I was looking at at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I basically, Jumping shit, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I remember quite a difficult conversation with my dad, actually, um, who, you know, really wanted to support what I was doing. Yeah. Um, but was, you know, very scared for me. Mm. Um, and he did, you know, he was encouraging me to set up some kind of safety net. Um, and I spoke to him and I said, you know what, I'm, I've got a nice setup here there's a risk that I'm never going to make this leap unless I just go and do it. Yeah. And I sometimes, I feel that sometimes you could, you know, if you spend too much time looking over the edge of the cliff, you're never going to make the jump. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to, to leap and, um, hope that you come up with uh, something on the way down. (laughs) Yeah. And I suppose, you know, again, I've, so many conversations around this with 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 people who who've done exactly what you've done but that kind of wasted emotion of regret of who knows you know being 60 70 80 90 and looking back and going i wish and never having actually 
taken that that leap of faith i I think that's right um I mean, when you look at all of these things, um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Al Humphreys, um, who does round the world expeditions, and he's you know coined the phrase micro adventure. Mm. Um, and and one of the things he talks about is when people are talking about what stops them from taking jumps and going for adventures, it's always things like money or lack of time or they've got other things on their plate no one's scared of being eaten by an anaconda in south america (laughs) it's it's the it's actually just getting off the sofa in the first place um and i think you know we we live in a in a wonderful society now where we're we're cosseted to an extent um our lives are relatively comfortable it makes it more difficult to fulfill your dreams mm-hmm. because the day to day is, is much more comfortable. So I think, you, you know, sometimes you just have to think, you know what, the problems will come. Um, a lot of the problems will be things that were completely unexpected. Um, and it's much better than, than wondering what might have been yeah. or ever looking back thinking, oh, maybe I could have done something different. Maybe I could have done something incredible. Mm. And I just, I never really made that first step. I never got off the sofa. I never took that leap of faith uh, and took that risk. And did you do anything at the time to uh, kind of mitigate that risk from f- f- for your father's benefit or your, your own benefit? <laughs> or did you just go, ah, just go for it? No, I had, prior to leaving Shell, I, I had tried to see if it was possible to work in the evenings on these projects. Mm. Um, but the reality was I knew that I needed to commit. Yeah. Um, so I, I had some funds in the bank to keep me alive for a while. Yeah. Um, and I just knew that I, I needed to commit and dedicate myself to finding out what it was that, that would work and what I could take forward as, as you know, out of that range of ideas I had, which one would work, which one could I make a success. And, and talk, talk us through the process of how you, how you narrowed that down and, and, and maybe what the timeline was with regards to finding what you're doing now, essentially. Yeah. So, so this was all 10 years ago. Um, yeah. that, that kind of first came to the fore and it was, um, eight years ago that I left Shell. So it's been a long journey to get here. Mm. Had some had a wide variety of different ideas. So I had some inventions like the rucksack um, and a tennis training device. Um, I had some ideas about um, a business academy uh, to help school leavers into work. Um, and we, I was working with someone on a um, to take our experience from Shell and help out small businesses who were looking for those kind of um, solutions. So, I mean, the, the range of that is obviously huge. Um, and what we did was I just, I had the time at that point. So I started pushing it, worked through it. And the only way you find out if it's going to work or not is you start working on it, you push your plan out and you get get doing it. Um, and that's the only way you find out. So I did that and it took me about two and a half, three years before I ran out of money. 
at that point. Uh, and okay. <laughs> so I yeah. pushed some of those. Uh, none of them were reaching a stage where I was going to see any income coming through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that point, um, I set up as a consultant and did some business consulting. That sort of brought some money back in, um, gave me a feeling of I'd managed to step out of work. I'd experienced what working on my own was like. Uh, and now had an opportunity to, to rethink. Okay. Um, and, and how long then did you not take out, but how long did you kind of ruminate on that and then jump back in? So I, at that point, I basically, I needed the funds coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, but I felt that I, I was on the right path. And at that stage, the rucksack was starting to make headway. And I was starting to see things in there that I thought, this is actually really something special. Mm-hmm. I think actually I've got an idea here which which could be started pushing more at that point. And we cut it, I cut it down. I abandoned all of the projects apart from two. Uh, so there was just the rucksack and the business academy that I was working on then. Um, okay. And I had no more time than that. And got to ask the question then, what became of the business academy? Because I'm, I'm assuming that one got cast to the side at some point then. That's right. Yeah, tough decision, actually. Um, mm. We were starting to get traction on the business academy, um, starting to engage with some companies who were, who were really quite interested in what we were doing. Um, but the rucksack was, we had a few eureka moments on the rucksack, and it was starting to make real headway at that point. Okay, and and talk me through. Um, sorry, t- t- talk me through the timeline then. So, uh, how long ago did you come up with the idea for the rucksack, and then actually launch the rucksack? And how long was that kind of testing phase? That's what I'm kind of interested okay. in. Yeah. So the the original concept of the rucksack was um, or the, when I identified the problem with the rucksack was back in 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first ideas I came up with were, I mean, just dreadful. Uh, <laughs> so there was a huge amount of learning that I had to do. So it was really, I would say about four years ago that we started getting a rucksack that was starting to look like something that could really uh, do something great. Mm-hmm. And still a huge amount of refinements from that that delivered the functionality it was working it was showing what was possible here but it's taken another three years to refine it develop it get it out to other people for them to test it provide their feedback and explain all of those little but crucially important details that have to go into the design in order to make it work for people's everyday life. And if I can just pull something off um, your website that I, I came across yesterday again, just I think be of interest to our audience is the, the 10 steps that you've identified to designing, creating and, and selling um, what you say is the most innovative pro- product in the world. So um, people be familiar with the first step, which is identifying a problem. Um, and was yours based purely on personal experience or was it then um, doing some more research on that and finding out who else had 
was was experiencing similar problems? It started purely my own experience. Yeah. Um, just running home from work one day, I my rucksack was bounced. This should be better. There, should, mm. there must be a way of doing it better. And I just played around with the straps, and I realized that there was a more comfortable way if you wrap the straps around your body. And it was just that sort of kernel of an idea that just developed it, and then a huge amount of work and involving other people since. And then, obviously, you've got to have an inspiration for that, or a, I'm assuming you'd, you'd kind of run out of energy, run out of passion, if you certainly didn't have that inspiration in the first place. That's right. You you hit so many roadblocks. Mm. So as we've tested things here, we've been trying new things all the time. Um, I try to get guidance from people, but what we're doing is so revolutionary that no, that doesn't work. We have to go back to where we were six months ago and restart from from the other design that we looked at. And that's hugely frustrating. I sorry, mean, it's, sorry, Rob, that just cut out there. I'm just wondering if it's the connection. Um, our producer can pick this up when we um, when we redo. Do you mind if I ask you that question again about yeah, um, sure. brilliant about inspiration? And um, we should be good to go from there. So um, where are we? 17 minutes in. So um, yeah. So if I just ask you. I'll just reframe the question. I'm assuming having inspiration is absolutely key because surely you would have run out of energy, run out of passion way before you've got to the finishing line. Absolutely, yes. So, you know, you see a problem out there, you need the solution for it. You need an idea to work on. And it can be incredibly frustrating, uh, particularly with a technical product like this. Mm. We had to try new things all the time. Um, because there's nothing out there that does what we're doing. So sometimes it's a case of you work on something for four months, five months, six months, and then only at that point do you realize that the route you decided to take isn't right and you have to go all the way back. And that that can be very frustrating Mm. and really demoralizing. First step that you say is identify a problem, um, which is probably you know, the most obvious step in, in the process. Um, but did you identify the problem purely from a personal point of view or was it observing other people? No, this came about from, from when I was running home myself, actually. Um, so I, the gym was closed at work, so I decided to just run home with my clothes in the backpack. And it was just bouncing up and down on my shoulders. And I just thought, this is really, really awful. Um, we should be able to do better than this. And then when I played around with the straps, I found that wrapping them around my body made a real difference mm. and made it all more comfortable. And, I, and that was that struck me as, hang on, I think there might be something here. I I, I want to investigate this. I want to I want to have a look at this. Mm. And. Second step that you identify is having the inspiration. And I remember listening to the story of Dyson and how many iterations that he had. And they they went into hundreds and hundreds and it went on for years and years. And I'm, I'm assuming for, for every designer that if you, if you don't have that inspiration, pretty soon you're going to lose the passion, run out of energy and, and lose the will. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, that inspiration is the starting point. Mm. Um, but having an idea is, is worthless. It's how you pursue it that counts. So it's then taking that idea and what are you going to do with it? Mm. You, can, you can talk to your friends about it. You can reminisce in years to come about that idea you had 20 years ago and then someone else came along and invented it. But the crucial thing is to think, take that idea and try and make something of it. And that's really where you need to push. That's where the really hard work comes in. Um, because you start with an idea, you test it, and inevitably it won't work. <laughs> the first idea never works. So you have to think through, okay, well, why doesn't it work? Maybe if I try something different, maybe that will work. Okay, how, how am I learning from this? Try something completely different. And when I look back at my original designs and the original concepts, I mean, they are, <laughs> they're horrifying when I look at them now. Is that what um, we can see on the website? They, yes. Yeah. That was one of my first packs. I stole my brother's rucksack because <laughs> uh, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to use my own. Absolutely. Um, ripped, it a, ripped it apart and sewed the straps back on in a, in a different arrangement. Right. And it was so wrong in so many ways, but it gave me a lot of learning and gave me some ideas that I then could pursue in other ways. Mm. And what I, what I found out was actually we, what we were trying to do is something that is genuinely new. So we, for a lot of it, we couldn't get help from anyone else. Mm -hmm. So we were just having to try things ourselves and you build something and you try it out and you find it doesn't work, but you learn why it doesn't work. Mm. And that's the value in doing all of this. That's how you get to a really good product. It's because you've gone through all of the iterations. You've tried all of the different things and you know why other things don't work and why this one does work. Mm. So, And that process can be, can be very frustrating. So you need to keep pushing through it. We've, we found times where we worked on a particular idea for you know, four, five, six months. And wow. only at that point did we finally decide, you know what, this route that we're going down isn't going to work. Mm. We have to try something different and we have to go back a, a huge number of steps and then in order to move forward again. And that's, it's frustrating. It's demoralizing. Um, but as long as you're learning, then you're always moving forward. Yeah. And in my mind, certainly for a technical product, that's how you end up with a great product. And was this you on your own at this stage? So like testing and then iterating, repeating the process, um, getting the design right? Or at this point in time, you'd started to create a team to, to help you with this? That's right. So it started with me on my own, um, literally pulling rucksacks apart and stitching them together myself, which was a lot of blood, sweat and tears, I can tell you. But. Um, and then once I'd made, once I'd reached a certain point where I'd started putting the different elements together and found that I really was starting to understand what I was trying to build, 
at that point, I then engaged um, a product design team called Idea Reality, um, and they were able to then produce CAD diagrams uh, so that we could go out and get things 3D printed. And I had some materials experts come in, and they were able to help me on designing the fabric bag as well. Um, so Oliver Nissen and Stephan, Stephanie Freuder, they all came in to help me at that point. And that was when we started getting a product that we could effectively take it off the drawing board and start giving it to other people as well so that we could get feedback from them. And that was a real step change in the journey. Mm. And did you start to build awareness about the product before it was finished? Building marketing, obviously you're going to start telling your immediate circle are going to know something about this as you're going through the journey. But at what point in time did you decide to start building that out to, to a wider audience? We didn't really do any marketing early on. Um, mm. My focus was all about getting the product yeah. right. And for a long time, I didn't even know whether I had a product that I could sell to people. Um, so it was only once we, we had a design that our other people were saying, you've really got something here. This actually works. <laughs> this is a, a product that we want to see. That was the point at which we thought, okay, right now, how do we bring this to market? Um, how do we get this out there? And we started then thinking of, of, you know, how do you how do you take that next step to commercialization and wrapped up into that we then started having to think about marketing as well okay and and had you already found someone to to make these um on a commercial scale for you at this point or was that the next step no that was the next step um okay. so to be able to produce prototypes that we could hand to people was hugely important mm. um, and they need to be of a standard that people can really take it seriously um, but as soon as you get into that big scale production you immediately hit the hurdle of minimum order quantities yeah yeah so in order to to stop producing prototypes in the uk which are effectively handmade and each one costs me around 13 or 400 pounds to build in order to take that step to, to get into commercial production, you need a minimum order number. Mm -hmm. And for me, the solution there was crowdfunding, uh, which, you know, I think is a, is a fantastic concept that's, that's developed over the last decade. Uh, to be able to take an innovative idea, share it out amongst the world, get people to support you, and then build up those minimum orders so that you can take it to the factory and actually make it a reality. Um, you know, we sometimes forget that 15 years ago, we didn't have anything like that. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's it's a great help to to inventors and entrepreneurs um and i think you know there are I, I love the fact that there are a lot more networks a lot more support systems 
being built up to support small-time businesses um, such as myself and such as a lot of the other virgin startups. And and how did you did you had you already built um, something of a following before? you launched um people should know that you literally when they listen to this podcast you are live on kickstarter possibly just over a weekend with another three weeks to go (laughs) that's right so yeah so we're live on kickstarter now um we have just launched um, and we're heading towards our target um but still on our way there um and really we've spent the last six months um demonstrating the bags to people we went out to the the triathlon show in february of this year um we were at the hackney half marathon we've been talking to running clubs and cycling communities and just getting the bag out there into the hands of people Mm. so that they get a chance to try it on um because it's one of those products where people look at the concept and think yeah that's an interesting idea but it's only when they try it on that they get that. I, I love that look in their eyes when they try it on and go, oh, wow, there, <laughs> there really is no weight on your shoulders. I mean, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, that's, and that's, that's just a great feeling to get as an inventor and when you see that in, in other people's faces. Um, and that's how we've, we've built up this following now. So, you know, we've got people who are engaging, people are buying the bag now. And um, yeah, like I say, that that really started about, that's happened over the last six months, um, which I think is probably the minimum marketing you should do before before a launch on, on a crowdfunding campaign or Kickstarter or whatever. Mm. And, and when you went through that process of engaging with different running clubs, triathletes, et cetera. Did it more underline that you were on the right path or was there anything drastic that jumped out of you that you thought, Oh, we completely forgotten about that. Yeah. So at that stage, we had already done um, quite a lot of testing with different people. Right. Um, So, so a lot of a lot of iterative testing had happened, um, and it's of course it's crucially important that you don't rely on your own team and your own thoughts. It's it's so important to get it into the hands of other people, and that's where you suddenly realise things that you you wouldn't have ever seen otherwise. Um, but as we approached, you know, run clubs, cycle clubs the wider community and started handing this product out to them. Um, that's when you get feedback that you just wouldn't have thought of yourself. So little things um, about the placement of zips, about how you, how they will use the bag. And so to, to get that is, is massively important and it's amazing some of the things that come up mm. some of the things um were, were a real surprise um of, of what's important to people yes and, and i i can totally relate to it. i've probably had the most comfortable bag that i've ever had and it's it's a, a direct from from amazon it's an amazon bag and um, but funny enough, I've just started recapturing my youth by rollerblading again. 
and you just get that swaying side to side motion when you've got you know a big water bottle in there and you're just like that i'm literally gonna face plant any minute if i if if the wind gets up or anything like that yeah so so those kind of realizations i mean it sounds like you need a motion lab bag um, it sounds like i mean it's fine walking to work and give you a more stable a stable ride on that one yeah but some of the things are, you know, are obvious things that we were trying to achieve. So um, that feeling of, of no weight on your shoulders at all, the extra stability you get, um, having, you know, not getting a sweaty back, not feeling constrained. All of those were things that we were trying to achieve. Mm. Um, so it was great when we got good feedback on those things. Yeah, I definitely but get the sweaty back from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just to give you an example, one of the things that um, I would not have thought of myself is relatively early on, someone told told us a story about her bag that she had paid a, an exorbitant amount of money for. And she loved the bag, but she never, ever used it because when she put it down on the floor, it didn't stand upright. Yeah, okay. So it would always fall over. Yeah. And she said that was enough of a problem that it stopped her using the bag. Hmm. And as a result of that, that was just a, a random conversation I had with someone at a, at a dinner party, actually, wow. or a drinks party. And, and that led to a huge amount of work that we had to do to then find a way for our hip belt to retract up into the bag right? so that you could, you can set the bag down on the floor or on a table and it will stand upright. And if, if we hadn't learned that early on, it would have caused us huge problems later because many, many other people have since said that that is a really important feature. Mm. And I, it just came out of a chance conversation with someone who, you know, I was discussing the bag and showing them the bag, and they just brought up that that brilliant feature. That's funny because I just had a visualization of leaving the live event I was hosting last night, getting on the bus to go home, literally placing my backpack in front of me on the bus, and the whole thing keeling over um, towards <laughs> the driver, <laughs> and me like slumped there after like a twelve-hour day, going, "Oh, I can't be bothered to lean over and pick this off the blooming dirty floor of the bus now." <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling, and it's you know the funny thing is, it seems like a really little thing. Yeah. But yeah. it's really important. Mm. And, you know, an idea, a concept, a great design, that's, that's brilliant. But you've got to make people's lives happy. Mm. That's, what, that's what, you know, we're all, all about. So, funnily enough, it can be those really little things that make a huge difference to, to make people's lives happy. Mm. And I'm just looking at the, the campaign now for you. Um, do you want to tell people best way that they can, I'm, I'm assuming literally just go to kickstarter.com um, and search the Motion Lab bag and you'll be there. Yes, or, or search for Weightless. Okay. Or Motion Lab and it will come up. Um, if we can add a link below your page, that would be, that would be great. Yep, absolutely. Will we be able to do that? So yep. can I just say, can I just say that? You can. So there'll be a link. Okay. So, 
So there'll be a link below this page and you can just click on that link and it will take you direct to the Kickstarter site. Um, otherwise, if people want to learn more about the bag, um, they can go to our website, www.motionlab-bags.com. And if they want to search on Kickstarter, just go to kickstarter.com and search for weightless backpack. Awesome. Um, well, wish you all the best. Love to give people an update maybe in a, in a month or so to see how you got on so they can follow the story through. That would be quite cool. Fantastic. That would be great, Alex. And um, if anyone has any, any questions about how I got here, you know, any other entrepreneurs who are looking for some help or have some questions, I know how, how lonely this journey can be. Yeah. Um, so feel free to, to, uh, contact us on the website. Awesome. And, and just a final word, um, how is having had a mentor, um, help you along the way? Cause we have a mutual friend in, um, in our friend Russ. <laughs> so I thought I'd give him a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Russ has been fantastic actually. Um, so Russ Taplin, he came in as a mentor quite late. Um, I was, I struggled to, to find a mentor uh, through the scheme. It mm. took a while. Um, but when they did find me, Russ, he's been absolutely fantastic. Just as a, just as a sounding board, um, provide me some guidance. Just make sure I'm asking the right questions. Mm. Um, and, and just to, yeah, just to, to help talk things through. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been really helpful. So. Yeah, if you're listening, thanks for us. <laughs> that's, a, that's awesome to hear. It's great when, when things work out like that. And um, I love following through that whole steps that you've, um, you know, from being in a job to identifying a problem and then just testing, 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 iterating, iterating, and then um, literally deciding to go for it. So um, I wish you all the very best and would love to keep up with the story and, and see how you go. Fantastic. It's been great talking to you. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much indeed. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Rob. And as mentioned at the beginning of the show, got some pretty epic news um, that former star of Dragon's Den and the Secret Millionaire, Piers Linney, is going to be headlining our first ever Startup and Scale Summit this October the 13th in sunny Bournemouth at this workspace. Got some other pretty epic announcements that will possibly top that um, coming up over the next uh, week or so. So tickets will be available. They've already gone out to our email list. So if you're not on that and you'd like to be on it, you simply go to startupu.co.uk and to the contact page and enter your email details and then no problem. You'll always be heads up with regards to our, our news. Um, if not, then you'll need to set a reminder on this coming Monday and you'll need to head over to Eventbrite and you'll be able to head over to the Startup U page on Eventbrite and grab yourself a ticket on Monday the 6th of August. That's when any remaining tickets go on sale to the public. As always, we'd love to see you at a live event and meet you in person. Um, some other amazing speakers on there already. I think we're up to eight now and we'll just keep on announcing the speakers as we go. 
first ever event we've done where we focus both on starting a business and also scaling a business. Um, so lots of amazing speakers and also workshops and opportunities to network with like-minded entrepreneurs. So just recalling Rob's interview there, a couple of things I want to take away. Um, love the fact that he said it's all about taking the jump and getting off the sofa. Um, we can all put things off. We can all research things to death. And yes, there's something to be said for um, doing your research. Clearly, you want to know your market, your target market. You want to know your competition. You want to know your product or service inside out. But there comes a point where you really have to take the jump, whether you've got a parachute or you haven't. You don't want to be one of those people who looks back at the end of their lives and um, has regrets. Inspiration. Inspiration can be absolutely anywhere and everywhere in the in the mundane um, and in the imaginative, the fantastical. The fact that Rob took his from something um, very much every day, i.e., um, from commuting into work, um, for doing sports, and finding the bags that he was using were completely inadequate for the purpose he intended. Inspiration could be anywhere. Um, if you're struggling for inspiration, then I strongly advise you. Um, to get out of the grind, even if it means going for a walk on the beach, going for a walk in the woods, uh, whatever it is. If you can take a weekend off um, just to find some inspiration, just to get some, some blue sky, clear thinking time, then I'd strongly encourage you to do so. Something that I do every month, would love to do it more often, um, but just to clear my head, go somewhere nice, um, something that you don't regularly go to, shut off all your electronics, and just think. And finally, testing. I think Rob can 100% prove uh, that you need to test, test, test again. Um, in so many examples, I see where people have come up with an idea and the their mum loves it, their brother and sister loves it, their dad loves it, their best friend loves it. But have they tested it out on anybody else? Um, have you pulled this idea apart have you looked at it from every single angle? And have you gotten proof that it actually works, that people want it? So many times see people who haven't done this process. So I um, hope you've enjoyed that episode. You know where to follow Rob's process. Um, playing out in front of you, which is going to be on Kickstarter. And we'll have an update and see how he gets on. And I wish him all the very, the very, very best. Until next week. Have a great week. If you like this podcast and you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. You'll be able to see our upcoming events calendar for the UK. Pick up a ticket from as little as £10, which includes complimentary drinks and the opportunity to meet and connect with like-minded entrepreneurs, find a mentor or an investor. You'll also have the opportunity to meet our speakers and ask them your burning questions in person. Hope to see you there. If you're an entrepreneur looking to start or scale their business, then I'd love to help you. Being part of the Startup U community means we can help you in a number of ways. Simply go to Facebook and find Startup U Club through the different groups on there and join. 
We can help you in a number of different ways through daily inspiration and education, through to accessing funding, investment and mentoring. In fact, pretty much anything that you'll need on your startup journey. And if you've got a great story that you'd like to share, then I'd also love to hear from you. Just go to startupu.co.uk, click on the contact page and drop me a message. I'd also love to connect with you personally. It's at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn and Twitter and at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. And if you enjoyed listening to this particular episode, then please subscribe and I'd massively appreciate a review. All you need to do is click on the ratings and review tab on iTunes and leave us your thoughts on there. Until the next show, remember, don't wait. The time will never be right. Action always beats intention. So just screw it. Just do it. This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screw it, just do it to enter.